Rate hikes are coming. Why, that could actually be good if you were priced out of this crazy real estate market. Meanwhile, Omicron spreading fast now on both sides of the Atlantic. And pretty much wherever you are in America, the weather has been downright bizarre, if not straight up scary. What is happening out there? Thursday Need to Know. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for December 16th. I am Carlo Versano here again with Maker Bachado. Mm, How yes. are you, Baker? Indeed. <laughs> Nine days till Christmas, Carlo Versano. Happy National Chocolate Covered Anything Day, which is great. How vague that is. Also, happy 247th <laughs> birthday to the great Jane Austen today. Hope she's celebrating well today as well, Carlo. Uh, I don't think she is. I think she's. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Well, we got a we got a ton of news today, Baker. So kick us oh, off. Oh my goodness, Carlo! Do we ever? Yeah. So let's start first with stocks this morning. Business news. Uh, stocks going to open up higher this morning after the Fed yesterday signaled that they would start aggressively changing their COVID-era monetary policy yesterday. The central bank said that they're going to accelerate their taper of economic stimulus. That is, they plan for as many as not one, not two, but three interest rate hikes next year. Rate hikes will definitely help curb inflation, but will also send borrowing costs higher, making it more expensive to do things like mortgage a home. Uh, the moment Jerome Powell announced uh, basically the Fed's new policy yesterday, we saw the Dow, the S&P, everything just sort of skyrocket higher yesterday on all of this. The expectation maybe was one rate hike. Um, we haven't had a rate hike, by the way, in so long, it feels like, because yeah. of the pandemic. Um, but the fact that uh, most economists had, had basically punched in about one rate hike next year, so the fact potentially we might get three would be really good. And most of this is because we've had really good unemployment data the last couple of weeks. We're actually getting to almost pre pandemic levels. The unemployment rate now sits at about 4.2%, Carlo. Uh, and then also consumer spending numbers are also really, really impressive right now uh, with the fact that so many people are spending in preparation for the holidays. And because inflation has really been such a worrisome thing for so many people, the Fed, especially Jerome Powell, has tried to do everything he possibly can to sort of mitigate uh, the inflation worries we've been going through. I thought retail sales actually came in low yesterday. I didn't well, actually. Yeah, uh, but spending is really high. Consumer spending is, in, is doing incredibly right. well right now. Well, the flip side to these rate hikes is that uh, the housing market is going to start to cool uh, once once these hikes start happening. In fact, it, I think it probably already is starting. Uh, and what that means is more supply. It means there's going to be more houses on the market for everybody who was priced out uh, during the pandemic, myself included. Um, you know, next year is going to be really interesting economically. I'm not really sure what to expect, uh, but it, it, it won't be boring. And it's kind of interesting, right? Because in the past, you know, the market used to react uh, negatively to news that rate hikes were coming. But, you know, we're in this sort of like upside down world uh, with this inflationary pressure now. So the, uh, you know, investors are looking for these hikes now to start. Absolutely. Meanwhile, let's switch now to the pandemic. Dr. Fauci is saying that the current booster shot should be enough to combat the Omicron wave and that the vaccine shouldn't need to be reformulated specifically for the new variant. Now, that's the good news here, Carlo. The bad news is, is we're starting to really see an uptick in cases on both sides of the Atlantic. In Britain, the health secretary there is saying 200,000 people a day are now being infected with Omicron. That is nearly four times the official number. Back here, more colleges 
colleges in the Northeast going fully remote for the remainder of the semester due to campus outbreaks. Princeton and NYU following Cornell and Middlebury in moving finals online. Here in New York City, a growing number of restaurants are closing due to staff outbreaks. Several Broadway shows, including Hamilton and Harry Potter, also canceling their performances. And there's also signs that we're seeing a shortage of tests with lines blocks along at a lot of the city clinics here. Uh, as of now, we should note Omicron uh, responsible for one death globally, but this comes on the heels of sort of the, the information not just Dr. Fauci was telling us, but Danish study seeming to indicate yep. the number of Omicron cases doubling on an almost daily basis here. There's some interesting new research out yesterday about uh, this variant specifically attacking the bronchial tubes, which is probably why it's more, as opposed to the lungs, which is probably why it's so much more transmissible. But that also suggests that it is less severe, which is so far what we're seeing. Uh, and, you know, look, I, 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 I want to just go on a little bit of a, a spiel here. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, it's possible now that you are witnessing um, my slow descent into madness. I've heard from people. <laughs> All of our I, slow I, descent into madness. Yeah. Uh, I've heard from people saying as much, um, and it's possible that Baker's going to come on this podcast in a couple weeks and say, hey, our friend Carlo has been 5150'd uh, yes, after the NYPD yes, found him jacket. running. Yeah, they found him running down Flatbush Avenue naked, screaming about government <laughs> overreach. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, just to expand on what I said yesterday because I've been accused of being sort of like inconsistent in my gripes, and I appreciate that perhaps I am out out of step uh, in the mainstream thought on this and that my personal frustrations with our various failures are starting to color my judgment about policy and sort of turning me into a libertarian, which nobody wants, right? Libertarians, really annoying. I don't want to become one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so just to be... Just to be clear here, my sort of like flip flop, if you could say that on COVID restrictions, um, it changed precisely once highly effective vaccines became widely available. So, you know, when I, along with everybody else, was railing against people like Ron DeSantis this time last year for just letting COVID kind of like rip through the population and kill all the old people in Florida, that was different because vaccines were not available then, right? To me, everything changed in like May, right? When once that was pretty much the time when anybody who wanted a vaccine vaccine could get one in America. Now, other people have said that, you know, the, the vaccines don't prevent transmission, which calls for more continued caution. But I would argue actually the opposite there, right? I think the facts, the, the fact that these vaccines don't entirely prevent transmission is actually reason for us to give up on this sort of heavy handed policy approach that we're starting to see kick back into gear here. You know, Baker, Americans are very bad at understanding a very basic fact of life that almost every other culture in the world gets. That is, there are some problems that just don't have solutions or they don't have it. There are problems that do not have practical solutions. Right. So instead of acknowledging that and trying to mitigate the harm while we go about our lives, we overreact. We did it after 9-11. We're doing it again now. The solution to the pandemic was full vaccine penetration globally. Right. Or at least something close to that. We failed at that. We failed. We never were going to succeed. And we failed as we were expected to. So unless we start forcing people to get vaccinated and boosted, which, frankly, I would be in favor of doing things like closing schools at this point, it's just doing something for the sake of looking like you're in control. But the fact is, we're not in control. That's the whole point, right? We have got to get into the Buddhist mindset here. The first noble truth in Buddhism, if you studied it, life is suffering. 
And I know that that sounds sort of a depressing thing to say, but it's actually not. When you come to terms with that, an entirely new outlook on the world opens to you. And we would all do better to actually study some of the tenets of Buddhism here. But the final point I'll make before we can move on. I also, you know, I, we heard some from people in the healthcare industry saying, Carlo, you talked about how healthcare uh, hospitals aren't starting to fill up. Well, actually, they are. Uh, and that's true. They are filling up in some places, especially with unvaccinated patients. And I do think, I think that surgical focused policies in those regions, things like mask mandates, if they can help alleviate healthcare workers, they're fine and good. Okay, fine. Oh, I'm, I'm cool with that. But broadly speaking, I am still firmly against any new closures or capacity restrictions, anything that harms businesses, people's livelihoods, or just our way of life at this point. If not now for our threshold of normalcy, when we've got plentiful vaccines, plentiful boosters, effective therapies like this new Pfizer pill that are going to come to market soon, if not now, when? We can't go back to square one with every new variant. We just can't. So get the shot, get the booster, get your annual shot to treat whatever the dominant variant is at the time and move on. Well, look, you, you bring up some interesting arguments here. And, and, and my theory is now, especially with Omicron, given the fact that the Danish researchers are now indicating that from their analysis, people who were catching the uh, COVID from Omicron, 79% of them were vaccinated. So the likelihood now, in terms of where we're transitioning in the pandemic to the endemic phase, the likelihood of me and you and our audience sometime catching COVID within our life seems fairly high. And, and at the early starts of the pandemic, the whole idea was to make sure that you didn't catch COVID. But now the idea has now switched from not just catching COVID to making sure that your risk of hospitalization and death is incredibly low, which is why the vaccines are out there yeah. to help you with that. So as we transition, now it's essentially a risk a risk management phase of the pandemic. Yes, exactly. What exactly. is exactly. what is sort of like if 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 the if the notion is is that we're going to catch COVID at some point in our life, what sort of risk strategies are you going to take to mitigate your chances of dying or at least going to the hospital from that? Is that exactly. wearing a mask for the rest of your life, or is that you getting a vaccine or some sort of booster every single year? Is it you taking some sort of antiviral pill? But to your, I think you're spot on in the sense that I think we're all exasperated and exhausted from this sort of two year sort of wormhole that we've been in yep. of, of shutdowns and everything. And yes, these new Omicron numbers in Europe are incredibly alarming, but I don't think politically, mentally, emotionally, physically, any of us can stomach doing this for the foreseeable future, keeping this going for the foreseeable future. So I think we all now go into this next phase, which is how much risk do you want to do for anything in your life? Going to hang out with your friends, going out right. to a movie, going out to dinner, going to a show, all those sorts of things now become basically your, your mantra for the rest of your life. And people have different risk profiles, and that's totally cool. But the problem is, I think that most of us are at that thing that you that that level that you just said. But the po the politicians aren't, the leaders aren't. Right. right? We have right. we have to hear from people like Biden, Fauci, w Walensky, whoever it is, to be like, okay, we are we have to transition our mindset here. And we that's that's the thing that's frustrating me uh, when you see the, the, these things about the schools going back, um, you know, online and whatnot. But uh, we can leave it at that. I I, I know that I'm got, that I like we're talking like too much about this. Um, let's switch gears and let's talk. 
about the weather, Carlo. It has been so straight bananas. Listen to this. The thermometer hit 76 in Iowa at noon yesterday. That is a new state record for the entire month of December. Temperatures have well been above average in the Northeast all month as well. New York City in particular, Carlo, I was complaining about how cold it was a few weeks ago. Today, we're going to hit 60 degrees today. That is a week before Christmas. Severe storms more common to April or May have now been thrashing the upper Midwest, triggered by the warm weather, causing significant power outages in Wisconsin and tornado sightings. Yes, tornado sightings in Minnesota last night. Uh, I can't believe we're having <laughs> multiple tornado sightings in the month of December all throughout the country. And, and by the way, the New York Times still basically reporting nobody knows if the increase in tornadoes in December is correlated to climate change or not. But either way, you know, New York City in particular should be freezing cold. You're embarking and basking in the glow of what is the <laughs> holiday season. And instead, I'm thinking about wearing my Speedo this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Merry Second to Last Christmas, everybody. It's been a good yes, ride. Yes. Uh, also, also, just it's been raining cats and dogs in Los Angeles all week. Yes, uh, it's been another, insane. Another storm that's been dumping heavy snow and triggering mudslides across the high country in California, the Sierra Nevada. So at least California is finally getting some drought relief, uh, which is good. Um, but yeah, this was the talk of the nannies yesterday at the park, just how warm it's been. <laughs> um, is, is that when you, is that is sort of your new like focus group when you go out with Franny yes. and you oh, go yeah. and talk to the nannies at the park i have i had this great idea for like a uh, a comedy screenplay the other day because uh -huh. in the parks in brooklyn they have all of, there's like these nanny gangs right there's these right. cliques of nannies and they're sort of like rivals i was like wouldn't that be it? someone should write like a movie about that like the gangs of new york style only it's like the different nanny cliques it's anyway. so it's so interesting and this is the difference between us because for me it's the dog owner clicks when i see dogs owner yeah, dog owners right, at right. the dog parks and sort of the drama of who knows who whose dog yes. is more aggressive than the other one uh, <laughs> and so in many ways like your life is on the flip side with me with dogs but i do think it's just as fascinating uh let's go back to washington carlos speaker nancy pelosi has now shut down the idea of a ban on stock trading for members of congress and their families uh, pelosi by the way whose husband often trades significant amounts of stock says that lawmakers should be able to participate in a free market economy just like everybody else. And she also pointed to laws like the Stock Act that are supposed to prevent lawmakers from trading on inside information. Uh, but we should uh, note that hasn't stopped members of Congress uh, from no. trading on inside information. I mean, um, there's Tom Malinowski, the, uh, the Democratic uh, congressional member. I think he's in Jersey. Uh, he's had allegations of, uh, of trading on insider information. You had David Perdue, the former former senator of Georgia, also um, allegations of him trading on insider information as well. So this has not stopped anybody uh, whatsoever, they, even though there are laws out there to stop this. They all do it. It's so gross. And we should this should have shut down immediately. I mean, people sh should have been out there with pitchforks after it came out that all of these senators were selling stock back in February of last year when they were told privately that COVID was coming and it was going to be a disaster. And they're like, nobody ever, nothing ever happened with that. And then but, they traded you know, pharmaceutical companies as a result of that. Yeah. The whole thing. It's like, no wonder people are just completely done with politics here. Uh, and by free market economy, what I think Pelosi means is we're free to get rich off pri privileged information that you suckers are 
are not. I think that's right. the bottom line. And uh, Insider did a recent investigation, to your point, found finding that at least 49 members of Congress from both sides of the aisle have violated that uh, law, the Stock Act. Um, at, you know, look, we've said this before, right? If there's one thing that could bring this country together, it would be a congressional ban on stock trading. It's just so absurd that this is allowed. These people are supposed to be civil servants, right? What do servants do? They make sacrifices. And these people can't even make simple sacrifices like not being active traders in the stock market while they're supposed to be working for us. It's gross. And by the way, sometimes it's not even the, the members of Congress themselves that are benefiting from this. There are allegations out there, Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina giving his brother information on some of this stuff. So his brother then makes some of yeah. these trades as a result of this. So it's not even just the co congressional members themselves that are just getting this information. Throw all these bums out, man. All right, uh, let's talk about the NFT boom. It is insane right now. Sotheby's, Carlo, had a record 2021, thanks in parts to its foray into those non-fungible tokens. The 300-year-old auction house sold more than $7 billion worth of art this year, 100 million of which just came from first-time bidders getting into the NFT category that sells entirely digital works from popular collections like Board Eight. Uh, Board Ape Yacht Club and CryptoPunk as well. I mean, the explosion of NFTs has been insane. And also, the amount of people who now understand what NFTs are. My mom now, like, fully understands what an NFT is. Oh, really? Maybe she can teach me because I don't really get it. Uh, <laughs> Every, everything, yeah, everything from the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree to a yep. uh, cardigan worn by Harry Styles, recently been auctioned as a digital token. Uh, this is, to me, I don't know, I see this and I'm just like, I just, I- It I, seems I, like a I, bubble. I, it's a, a bubble, 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 bubble that's about to pop. People paying millions of dollars for something that doesn't actually exist in the physical world. I don't get that. Maybe I'm a Luddite, um, but uh, you know, maybe somebody can explain this to me because I know some of our listeners are probably better, uh, uh, understand this better than I, but like, what is keeping me from just right clicking and saving one of these like monkey NFTs that are selling for a million dollars? Doesn't that make because me it's not, an owner? I, I, you, you bring up a valid point um, because it's not an original that, that you have a copied version of it. So it, it gets into, you know, what's the difference between a, a, the original and the real one and a copied version of the monkey NFT. That's sort of the difference here. But when I went to Art Basel in, in Miami just like a few weeks ago, it was insane the amount of NFT artwork that was selling for millions and millions of dollars. And these were things that people were like showing people on iPads and stuff like that, which was just so insane to me. Because again, when you're accustomed to going to these high-end auctions and art houses, you're thinking of a piece from Picasso or Banksy or right. somebody else. Instead, it's like, what do you think about this piece of thing on this iPad? Well, especially because, you know, the high-end art market has all has always been about scarcity. That's the right. whole point, right? That's the economics of it. And there's no, you know, with with NFTs, there's no scarcity. They're, right. I don't know. Okay, anyway, let's move on. Let's do a little more to know before we go. And first, a little, uh, I got to eat a little crow. A quick uh, correction from uh, this time yesterday. I briefly mentioned this eyedrop that, could, oh, yeah. uh, that was coming on the market that could do away with reading glasses for a lot of people. I said that it was for nearsightedness. In fact, it's for people with a form of farsightedness oh. who could benefit for up to six hours. Uh, from one of those drops um, in each of their eye. 
big so, clarification, but still just as significant uh, sort of being able yep. to basically throw away uh, the glasses here. Uh, meanwhile, President Biden surveyed the storm damage from those twisters in Kentucky, pledging that the federal government will will cover 100% of the cost in rebuilding the area. Biden toured the towns of Mayfield and Dawson Springs with Governor Andy Bashir, And at one point, uh, POTUS stopped to pray with officials in the middle of the street. It was an amazing sort of photo uh, from that. Yeah. You know, Biden, say what you will about him, but this is, you know, he, he is a good at this sort of this comforter is, in chief he thing. Is. Yeah, this he is. His... He does a really good job at this, and he has basically really tried to strip politics out of this, saying that there's no red tornadoes and blue tornadoes. And right. so if there is something you're absolutely right that he does well on, it's sort of the grief aspect of things. Yeah. I know everybody hates Joe Biden now, but I actually happen to like the fact that we have a president who appears to be like a good person at heart. Call me crazy. I don't know. Anyway, break this uh, terrible story breaking overnight here. A popular Puerto Rican music producer and his family among nine people who died when their plane went down in the Dominican Republic en route to Florida. Uh, his name was Flo La Movie. He was uh, known for working with artists like Bad Bunny. He was killed along with his partner and their four-year-old little boy. Four other Americans also on board when that charter jet crashed as it attempted an emergency landing after takeoff from the hmm. DR. Um, no details on what caused that plane crash. So sad, Carlo. Meanwhile, another tragedy unfolding, this time in Australia, and this is the stuff of nightmares for parents out there. At least five children killed, four more injured, when the bouncy castle that they were playing in got swept away by a gust of wind. This happened in Tasmania. Uh, the children fell about 33 feet from the air. Just so scary and heartbreaking. Truly. Uh, God, I, I, how does that even happen? Uh, meanwhile, back to the markets here. Reddit has filed uh, confidential paperwork with the SEC to go public. The Reddit, of course, the site known for its message boards, really the site that kind of predated a lot of the social media platforms. Uh, it has a valuation recently of about $10 billion. That IPO probably going to be one of the most anticipated when it uh, happens probably in 2022. And think of how much Wall Street bets has benefited from yeah. the meme stock frenzy has benefited from something like Reddit. Meanwhile, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, getting pretty rich here. He has reportedly sold the rights to his entire music catalog and he sold it to Sony. Terms of the deal aren't public yet, but the reports are that this is in the neighborhood of $500 million. Now, this would be the biggest deal ever for a single artist's body of work, but we're seeing, Carlo, a lot of artists really cashing in on their on their catalogs. Bob Dylan has done this, uh, Fleetwood Mac has done this, uh, and now Bruce Springsteen added to the list as well. I wonder how much of this is streaming, right? Because I guess well, I guess a lot of these, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of music companies are thinking like, look, streaming makes it so that these people can sort of live on in perpetuity Forever. long after they're dead, yep. right? Actually, anyway, I actually thought Bruce would go get get a bill. I thought he may have uh, undersold there, five hundred million. Um, I don't know. He has an insane body of oh, work. Oh, he does. He absolutely uh, does. No, right? and, and look, who, who's not to say down the road it might become a billion dollars, but the amount of money, yes, streaming keeps you living for, for forever, but the amount of money you get on a lot of these streams right. are incredible, like pennies, you know, at the end of the day. And yeah. so most of the money most of these artists make is from touring. Right. This probably just means you're going to start hearing a lot more Bruce Springsteen songs and commercials. Yes. It'll be yes, like, true. Uh, 
True. You know, Bruce will be shilling for like Geico or whatever. Uh, and finally, in sports, legendary college football coach Urban Meyer did not Ooh. last a full season in yeah, the did. NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars have fired Meyer as their head coach after just 13 games, ending his short and controversial tenure there. Uh, the Jags are 2-11 and this season, but it was actually Meyer's off-field scandals that are reportedly what did him in, including that video uh, that went viral recently showing him uh, getting sort of uh, comfortable with a woman who was not his wife at a bar. Add him, it's insane, Carlo, to the long, long list of college football coaches who were incredible in college, but were never able to translate that same success uh, to to the professional sports leagues. We're talking Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, yeah. Bill O'Brien, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, very few coaches, maybe Pete Carroll, but that's only because he was in the NFL before he went to college, has been able to really make that, uh, you know, work, it, make it work in both leagues. That's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I wonder why that is. I know. Uh, okay, well, anyway, that's what you need to know for Thursday, December 16th. Thank you guys for bearing with me uh, as I lose my mind over here. And I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate all the emails, all the DMs, even from people who are disagreeing with what I say truly. I'm not saying any of this the because we're all, trying to, we're all trying to work this out together, right? I'm not, and I think that everybody should be given a significant amount of grace in how they're dealing with the pandemic. And I don't mean to make anybody feel bad about how they're feeling at all and how, what they're doing. Um, I just, I, you know, it's the politicians and the leadership that it's really starting to, 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 that I have a gripe with. Anyway, with that, we'll see you guys tomorrow.